benefit of travel. It takes you out of your comfort zone. It takes you out of your immediate environment. You're transcending worlds, which means what? You're going to find what is common across all the worlds, which means you're going to see the thread of truth that goes across all realities. Oh. Welcome to the QR Lab. My name's Kuldeep Tagore, and I'm here with my main man. Amr Zekia, how you doing, my friend? The QR Lab. We're here to question reality. Why? Why, why, why do we do that? Like, is, is your reality so irritating that you must question it? It's partly so an illusion. Agitated by your reality? Wow. I must question this. It's partly illusory and partly real. It's a mixed bag. Got to take a look. Got to investigate. That's right. So uh, today we're kind of taking a, a look at the concept of travel and what that does to people. A detour what, to the bush. A detour to the <laughs> You went to Africa. Tell us about it. Yes, yes. I was in the bush. I was, yeah, uh, yeah it was crazy. Um, it was great, actually, I have to admit. It's one of these things that when you... Travel is a very interesting thing. When when people travel, they want to know where you went, what you saw. It's it's engaging, right? Because we all live in our own little communities and enclaves or what have you. And then as soon as you go somewhere else, you're experiencing new food, new culture, new language. Everything it's feels a, It's different. an education, right? It's it exciting. Feels like just you think about your reality here, like what we're looking at, just even in your own house, like the reality of your house, your shower, your water, all of these things. And when as soon as you travel, it's all different. Everything is different. Everything. And it's uh, a little bit, some people like that because they it kind of takes them out of their, their comfort and they're experiencing something new and you get to see amazing things like, uh, you know, gorillas and... To tell us about this, I mean, you, you went to Rwanda, right? That's right. Um, so this was part of a, um, I, I don't want to say it's a medical mission, but there is an organization called GI Rising that has brought endoscopy uh, to the country of Rwanda. Wow. And cool. it was done um, uh, in sort of endogenously. Uh, there is a doctor there named uh, Vincent Dusanjambo who... Uh, engaged with uh, one of the um, GI doctors in Dartmouth. His name is Steve Benson. And the two of them basically founded a society called the Rwanda Endoscopy Society and created something called the Rwanda Endoscopy Week. And wow. essentially so gather, cool. yeah, gather physicians to go there and set up shop. And a lot of this was borrowed, right? I mean, the country is a developing nation, so resources and funds endoscopy is expensive i mean right. one of these scopes costs a hundred grand wow you know and um you know so bringing this sort of and you know we could go into more about rwanda i mean most people are familiar with rwanda only from hotel rwanda great film and that might be a lot of people's entry into you know even knowing this country which is yeah. actually a very small country it's about the size of Maryland, I think. Oh, really? And uh, it's just right in the heart of the continent, like right in the heart of the continent, right, Beautiful. right in the middle. Um, it borders um, the Congo uh, to the west. Uh, basically, to the northeast is like Uganda, and then you have Burundi um, 
So that's kind of your, and it's, you know, the, for example, the Hotel Rwanda is actually called the Hotel de Mille Collines, which in French means Thousand Hills, hmm. because it's a very hilly, beautiful country. Yeah, I was going to say, tell me about the, 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 the geography and the landscape. It's got to be gorgeous. <laughs> Getting back to our point about yeah. travel, like, see, the minute you, you, the minute some, you travel, so like if you went to the moon, I would be knocking at your door to find out what was your experience, right? So again, this idea of travel is it, it's so fascinating. So um, yes, it's 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 a beautiful landscape. It's green. It's lush. It's fertile. Um, wow. They they have um, farms. As you're as you're you know traveling across the country, you'll see uh, and and you know it's 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 so fascinating uh, to see people uh, walking to the market carrying these uh, large. Um, you know, grocery bags, things on their yeah. head, you know, of the food or what. And then, you know, the, people don't have cars, obviously. So they have bicycles. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're taking their bicycles. That's up healthier, these, right? Isn't it? It's healthier. And, I mean, yes, absolutely. Natural food, exercise, you're biking, you're out in nature. It's lush. It's fertile. Sounds like heaven. Yeah. I mean, they, they put these big, huge, uh, banana, uh, uh, what what are those? You know, the bunches of bananas. Yeah, bundles they'll, they'll of bananas. Put, they'll put that on the back of their bike, and they're pushing it up these yeah. hills. And then when the hills go down, they jump on the bike. <laughs> or if there's a truck, they'll grab onto the truck and carry them up the hill. It was really like, like, you know, stuff. And then you'll you'll see. I'm talking little kids, like a two year old, three year old, yeah. with a backpack, in a uniform, walking to school. Beautiful. At, at like eight in the morning. Two years old. I swear, these kids look I mean, young, young. I mean, obviously, there's... Probably six or five. You know, and, and, yeah. you know I, sometimes you see the mom walking with yeah. the younger kids and stuff. Uniform, but, but, right? Uniform. But I'm talking very young kids. Yeah. Like, so young that if like I saw tie. that kid yeah. on the side of a road, I would call, like... 911. Yeah, I would be like, there's a child, like, this on the side of the road, you know? <laughs> but he's got a shirt and tie, right? His shirt and tie, no, sometimes, sweater. Uh, yeah, sometimes they're just in regular street clothes. They're walking to school in the morning. But it's just... I mean, if, if they step one... You know, kids. Oh, you, yeah. you, if you step one foot, you're you gonna get, get hit run by a car. Out? Yes, yeah. but 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 you said they're in a uniform. You mean like a school uniform? Yeah, some of them okay. are in uniforms. Okay, that's beautiful. Yeah, right. So I mean, I, listen, dude. I absolutely love traveling, and and one of the the tragedies in my life is I have not traveled as much as I would have liked. I'll tell you, I, you know, Middle East, Europe, China, Japan. You know, I've been to all these countries. You've been there. Yeah, yeah, but it, I never feel it's enough. The, the two places I really want to go to are Africa and India. Like, I, I want to hit the continents, you know. Do you know how many people are on that continent, Africa? No. You want it's, to take a guess? It's got to be... You mean the whole continent? The whole continent. Um, it's got to be in the tens of millions. Hundreds of millions? I don't think so, but maybe hundreds on, of millions? In Africa. Uh, you're saying tens of millions. Maybe hundreds of millions? 1.5 billion. Is that right? <laughs> I didn't know I, I that. Knew, I knew you were going to be surprised. I was yeah. surprised by it. I actually hold on just a sec. Hold on. I, I'm actually shocked by this. You're I, saying Africa has 1.5 billion 1. people? 1.5 billion. So Rwanda is a relatively small country. It's, it's quite well known. Allow me to actually. recover from that number <laughs> because we're always hearing about India and China. China. And Africa, you kind of have this Africa feeling. Africa is not a country, right? It's a continent. No, no, no. Right? But so yeah, there, there are multiple, yeah, but, multiple but, countries, lots of different but, cultures, but, but lots the, of different people. I agree. But the problem is like you have the sense that it's so sparsely populated because it's so huge. But actually, I'm surprised by that. Yeah. It shows it, you my ignorance about, <laughs> about no, geography I mean, and population. But that's why you travel. That's right. why you travel, right? Like, that's exactly. Travel is antithetical to ignorance. As, soon, as soon as you travel somewhere, your ignorance evaporates because now 
you have a sense of what it's like to be somewhere else, to be in that place, and nothing can capture. Well, it. it's it's a it's a it's a slap in the face. It's a kind of a reality check that's beautiful. And, I, and this actually happened to me when uh, I was in high school and I went to China in uh, 1992, I think it was, or 93, and I remember walking the streets in Beijing and thinking. I don't know what reality is anymore because, like you said, when you're taken out of the context of living in Redmond, Washington, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know where Microsoft is there and it's like you know, you know, modern and everything is like, like you said, is amazing and you have access to everything. Then you know, China at that time was not as nowhere near as well developed as it is now, and it was still an interesting, beautiful country and and the people were very kind. But when you're in a completely different physical space. And people, you know, are cooking in the street and making noodles, and you see this beautiful architecture. I, I had this sense that I was walking around. I took a lot of photos. I still have them. I, oh I, 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 I climbed the so Great Wall people. too. I mean, it was amazing. But you have the sense like, uh, where I live is not the world. The world is completely different in different places. It's like multiple worlds in one world. And when I had that realization, I, I thought, what an education! What a wonderful education this is. That, that's actually quite, I think that's why we're doing this podcast in a way, or talking about this, because otherwise I would have just told you about my experiences and we would have been done. But I, I think what you just illuminated here is so vital, right? Worlds within worlds. That's right. We're talking about, oh, I want to yeah. travel. We should go to Mars. We should go to the moon. Yeah. What about just <laughs> traveling? I know. Here. You know, I mean, even in America, like most Americans have not even been outside their region, it's a, it's their a, state even. Well, that's why there's they're so ignorant. America's the most, I mean... With all due respect to the, our peers who are listening, on average, compared to people in Europe and certainly people in Middle East and Asia, Americans are the least informed about global affairs, about how other people live, and it's it's a real travesty when when your 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 political uh, class and your leaders are basically conducting all kinds of operations and war, and they have eight hundred bases around the world, and you are supposed to be responsible adults who in a democratic system or a seemingly democratic system have to vote people in and out of office, well, you have to be the most informed people in the world and the most active people in the world and holding your government truly responsible. <laughs> the government works for us, not the other way around. You know, it's really funny. Okay, so actually The Independent uh, in 2016 published an article about the, the world's most ignorant countries. And uh, you can look it up. It's online. The Guardian, here. you said? It, they actually created an index of ignorance. The Guardian. The Independent. Oh, the Independent. Okay. Yeah. And um, do you, would you like to hear the yeah, most? Please. Uh, from, from the most to the least ignorant. Please. Number one, according to this article, not me, okay? Yeah. India. Ignorant? Yeah. About what? Just ignorant. <laughs> I guess. Again, right? Like, I think our people in India, relatively also a developing nation, relatively poor, in their own villages and and localities, they're not going to travel ever in their life, Yeah, right? but listen. And there's 1.3 billion of them. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. How do they define ignorance? Yeah, so we, we can definitely go through this. But I, I will say that uh, India, China, Taiwan, South Africa, the most ignorant. Number five was USA. <laughs> okay, that's that's pretty high. <laughs> well, I yeah. mean, considering, like, did we even name one one first world country there? It was So in terms of first so, world nations... So my impression is correct, correct. basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I think absolutely. I don't see Britain on here. I don't see... No, Europe is not on there, because Europeans... I don't, see any, are... I don't see any European nations on this list. How about Middle East? I don't see anybody exactly. The, there's because the Middle East the get hammered 10. all the not, time. Not on the, uh, the Middle East does get hammered, um, mostly by the United States bombing it. Um, 
But <laughs> sorry, that was. But I don't really. United Kingdom is probably the least of the ignorant. Um, the Netherlands. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. When I, you this is a, there's actually an index of ignorance. I, I wonder if send they, me that article. But let me ask you this: mm-hmm. When you were there dealing with the Rwandan people. What was the sense about their awareness about the world and events? Did they seem ignorant here? Did they seem it's, it's even a really more gra- It's a really great question. Compared so to Americans. We, we actually, you know, occasionally dropped some, you know, commentary about yeah. political events that are going on in our right, country. Right. And um, they're very informed, actually. They know our leaders. They see, know our vice presidents. Right. They know our. They know the running mates. Right. They know yeah. who we're running against: Democrat, Republican. I mean, they know all that. Right. And uh, yes, I was speaking with um, you know relatively educated people. These were yeah. other physicians in, yeah. in Rwanda. Um, but yeah, they were they were completely in you know. Let me ask you this. And, but I didn't yeah. even know who the leader of right. of Rwanda was until right, I got right, there. It's Paul right. Kagame. Like I didn't know that right, until right, I right. got there. They know our but. What yeah. was the most surprising thing to you? And, and and I mean across all categories. Yeah, this might be this might be a little bit surprising, but what I think that there is a perception of third world country or Africa, you know, that you know, we see it, but it it is much more enchanting in real life. Like when I yeah. went there, it was much I was really enchanted by it. There's a certain and beauty. specifically the fact that Rwanda actually, and I I, I apologize for my ignorance again, but when I went there, it was very clean, and that may not be the case in all African countries. I, you know, it may not be the case in every state in the United States. You sent right? me beautiful photos of you driving down the street. Clean. It looks like any other. It, it is you know, clean. Okay, and so I asked people, I said, "Why is this? The, you know, yeah. you will see people like, and I, they don't look like government workers." But and I asked, I said, "Why? Like, it's very, it's very clean here. It's very. There's no trash on the streets. I'm, I mean, in the capital, Kigali. Like, if we go to the capital." Okay, if we go to New York, I mean, you know, you've seen New York. Yeah, I mean, trash. It's, yeah, it's, you know, but they actually have programs. Government requires you to come out on on certain days and and clean the streets. Beautiful. Sort of like required. Beautiful. Um, they, I, I, I heard that there um, is a day where they will say all pregnant women have to walk. Oh, this is wonderful. <laughs> you know, there are these kind of... Um, it was, it's like we have days like that here, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, Veterans Day or, you know, Teacher's Day or whatever. Yeah. But there definitely is a political structure and leader that is keeping the country in line, in line with, yeah. with it continuing to have development. He's not, as far as I know, uh, you know, I'm not, I can't speak negatively or positively about him. Just what I heard from people there that were very positive about. Now, they might be positive because in a way he is sort of a benevolent dictator, in, in terms of my understanding of 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 Kagame, is he doesn't have a successor, and I, you know I, I'm not really sure about their ele- election process, so I'm not going to speak to it. But they they were very positive about the reforms and the changes and what's happened. But you know, keep this in mind, okay? So when we talk about the the Rwandan experience and the reason why we're even familiar with it is because of this event in um, 1993, uh, two or three, yeah. Oh. I want to say because it was when Clinton was president. Because um, I remember Clinton ignored. I think maybe even I, no. Yeah. It was before then. Then was, it, well, Clint, Clinton was president. Uh, maybe look it up. It was ninety one. It's a it's a good question. Yeah, it's actually it um, ninety four. Uh, okay. July July of ninety four. Uh, so 
you know, from, from this experience evolves a new political structure. But keep in mind, the elements that created that genocide are still alive. They're still in the. They're well, still there. Well, it, it, they it, might have been pushed out to like. Is it a racial thing? I mean, what? what why did they? So, so briefly, tribes? I mean, is I, it I, tribes? So I mean, br- briefly, what 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 occurred there? And it, it's going to be much. It actually is probably a subject for future podcasts for us. Uh, okay. Maybe the next one. Um, but essentially, what happened? There were there were two. You could say tribes. The the Hutus and the Tutsis. Tutsis correct. Yeah. And the the genocide occurred because the Hutus. We're murdering off the Tutsis, and there's a whole reason for this and why it happened, and etc. Which you know we, we can skip for another for another podcast. Um, but w- one the 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 radical elements of of that created that genocide, the the, the Hutu, on the Hutu side, like that, those people are still they're still alive, like they're still. So you can imagine a scenario in which may, maybe you know Kagame, you know meets an untimely demise, in which you could have complete chaos. Because I I actually asked one of the other. Um, you know, American doctors I was with there, I said, what would you do if, you know, Kagame, you know, died? Like, if we got news that he died. He said, I would go straight to the airport and get out of here. Are you serious? Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's what he said, yeah. So, what? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on a second. So, that's kind of shocking. So, so, it, so it, is, it yeah. actually sounds quite unstable. It's stable, right? It's stably unstable. It's, it, it, <laughs> think about any country that you live in, right? No, now, no, right? but I but mean, I mean, this is interesting. It applies to every country for sure, for sure, some more than others. But you're saying the elements that uh, were behind whatever the causes for the genocide are still there and active, and in fact, they could go to war again. Yeah. It, it sounds like their issue has not been resolved. Okay, I'll give you an analogy. Uh, the American Civil War happened and ended in 1865. Right. But, you know, there are some elements. I mean, you see people still with the uh, Confederate flag, and there are some elements. Uh, maybe it's not a legitimate thing, but you, 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 could, you could see a version of America where if, our, if, if it were a unilateral power structure, like dominated by a dictator, if that dictator were to fall, you, you could see the rise of various radical elements, right? So... This is a really important thing that these these radical elements are minorities, but they tend to really create the tide for the the you know the general public. I mean, keep in mind, like when the Rwandan genocide happened, Hutus were married to Tutsis. Tutsis I mean, they, there wasn't the integrated. Amongst, it's an yes, integrated, amongst yeah. amongst you know general. I mean, even the 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 character of uh, Hotel Rwanda, mm. Don Cheadle played, and I will butcher his name. I know his first name is Paul, yeah. but. He was married to a Tutsi, so yeah. it wasn't like... I remember know, scenes from the movie where they were coming in this neighborhood, and he thought his family was going to get uh, yeah, macheted. Yeah, yeah, And it was it's a, it's a pretty amazing film, because you felt the horror. But let me ask you a question. Generally speaking, I mean, Rwanda sounds like a great experience you had, and I'm sure you, you can talk about I, this I would, for hours. I, I would say, yeah, we're not yeah. going to, but I, I would say that if you're going to go visit Africa, you should go there. Okay. You, you know what I mean? You can yeah. go to lots of different places. Well, next time you go, I'll go with it you. It felt safe. Right, but yeah. but I'll tell you, like when we went to see the gorillas, I mean, oh, they, tell me about that. I want to hear so about the, this. the the gorilla experience is really um, put uh, controlled by the government. So they they do charge you for going there. It's like fifteen hundred dollars per person just to get the license to even go. And it's very, it's obviously a money making, um, you know, uh, project for for the country, and it should be. Uh, but they've created safe fifteen hundred for person per person. To that's just, just see, the license. Yeah, that's to just, see them. Uh, at least. Wait a minute. So you paid that much just to go see the monkeys? I mean, see the gorillas. <laughs> well, I paid a little more because you know the the it's just that much just to even 
go, you know, get the license. So it's not like going to the zoo. I mean, this is a safari that's like. This is legitimately, this is something that has been created. They've, these silverback gorillas are, you know, we're nearly extinct and hunted. They're in the wild though. They're in the wild, but they have been habituated to man. And because of that, you can go up there and be in their nests. I, I was literally in a gorilla nest with like a dozen gorillas. This is crazy, man. I, you, is, you, I mean, I showed I mean, you, I showed yeah, you some of the, the video. Uh, the videos. I mean, some of them are were, were spectacular. I mean, some of the images I I no, but, but one shot of the gorillas, just with an iPhone were amazing. No, no. I mean, uh, I was like this one video you sent me where this young lady, um, this yeah. gorilla got mad at her, and he was like, oh, I don't know that he got mad. He was, you, see, you know, he the, was tapping his chest. He definitely did. Yeah, yeah. There, we, we should if we do a um, if we do a short on this, we'll yeah, definitely yeah. show that for yeah. real. But. Yeah, what happened was this young girl was taking. Uh, she had a big camera, not little iPhones. Like she had like a really proper size camera and was aiming the camera right at a mother and the baby. Threat, right? So I, I think the, I think Threat. that the thought it was a gun. Yeah, he felt it was. He's a, learned. So he, yeah. you know, he pounded his chest and, and just like that. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Except their, their sounds are louder and punchier. You know, one of the most amazing things when you're there is. You, this you you feel almost their their family they're playing yeah. they're with each other yeah. you'll see them you know picking, society doing things to each yeah. other's backs and yeah. they're rolling around and I, yeah. I was like and it was amazing because it was it was really gorillas in the mist I mean it was yeah. a misty day yeah. it was magical it was like really a great experience um, I haven't even talked about you know the the medical part of what we were doing which was also quite so before you before you do that can I ask you a question yeah I don't want to derail but. Do you think, generally speaking, especially for Americans, that traveling should be a requirement <laughs> that you're prescribed by the by the by some institution or the government that you must travel at least ten times to a completely different place in your lifetime? I think, that, and if you don't do it, you'll go to jail. I think that I think I think that <laughs> how kidding. how can Americans be informed when their leaders are conducting wars all over the world? And they have never been to those countries. Okay, why don't you go to Iraq before you start saying that we should go there and kill a million people? Or, you know, okay, so I'm living in an ideal world where I think that that could happen. But Obviously, I mean, that's never going to happen. But let's be realistic. Let's be realistic. Yeah, be realistic. Could it be that your uh, requirement to enter college requires that you've traveled to at least one foreign country, not Canada, not Mexico? Should that be a requirement? Or maybe, you know, maybe at the end of college you have to do another one or they who, won't give who, you a degree. Who's going to fund it? <laughs> the government will pay for it. We're sending tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine and to you know other countries, right, to conduct war, uh, and we can't even fix a homeless problem. But of course, when Xi Jinping comes in, they clean up San Francisco in two hours, no homeless, because you know they want to <laughs> show so a good true. face. Yeah, that's right. So let's end the hypocrisy and let's end the you know yeah, the, the yeah. disgusting, vile behaviors of uh, our foreign policy. Yeah, the, this is the this is the video. I know we'll we'll get this shown for real, but. You see, yeah. yeah, he pounds his chest and then he comes over and just, it was just a push. Yeah. You know, and he's, no, nah, he's not, you know. I, I love the yeah. guy too. Like, you know, yeah. it's, they've seen this happen before. They, yeah. they even told us that. This is so amazing. It is amazing. It's, to be that close. It's, it's, no, it's no actually, cages. It's, it's. No, but, but the, the, I, I want to call it the privilege. I mean, I know I paid for it, but I mean, like the privilege of getting to do that. Is also I mean, it's worth the prices, if you ask me. I mean, you go out to dinner a couple of times a month, you're already at a thousand bucks. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. And here you get to, 
you get to see something that I mean, I, in a way, I mean, I believe that these you'll, are, you'll never have this experience ever again. I mean, and, and, and unless you go do it, over go go over. do it again. I mean, yeah. that's you have to do that. It's a one, but really, even next time, it may not be like this. It may be something I've seen other people's photos, and it wasn't like this. So, so let me ask you this: if if you're, they're different families. Can right. I tell you about? Them? Please, yeah. So so this gorilla family that that we got to experience is called uh, the uh, Agasha family. Mm-hmm. And it was a he, you know, the guy. I don't know if they tell this to everybody, and the people yeah. say, "Oh, they tell that to everybody." But he said it's a special family because the male silverback who took over that family. There was a collision, right, between these. He normally, when the the male takes out the other male, so the younger one takes out the older one, he will kill his children. Right. Right. The the one that got killed, he'll kill his line. Because his the, the, the females will go into estrus, and he'll have be able to have children with them. Right, so he doesn't. But in this this family, they kept the kids. Mm. So it was. They said that that's unusual not Very, to. Yeah. But I mean, it's it just also think about that. Think about the horror of that. That's a quite a violent. Um, I mean, even lions are the same in that regard. They'll just you know kill off it's, the. I think I think it's their biological imperative because I'm not saying it's good or bad, but the females will not go into heat and want to procreate with the new male unless. The children are all dead. This is actually like a biological issue. There you go. So he wants to have females to have progeny, so he's forced to do that. I'm not saying this is not a moral decision. This is pure biological instinct. Well, that's a really great point, what you just said. M- moral. Like, um, there's no morality here. N- not in, in nature. In, in nature, yeah. right? Like, yeah. nature has its own morality. It creates its own sense of... When I think about the survival thing, survival is the only right I moral mean, choice. This is what's we were talking about this earlier today. I know we're going to get off track here. I hope not, but I do want to make this uh, point. It's interesting. What you learn from nature, this even goes back to the podcast with Arash, right, on the, the tr- destructive nature of life. Yes. What you learn from nature are are there are things that happen in nature that are so horrific. Like for us to, it almost makes me feel like, are we even from this planet? Like, like we, we seem to have this exalted state where we have a sense of right and wrong. We have a sense of morality. Don't, you know, kill the children and all this. Yet in nature, in biology, these things happen as a matter of instinct. Now, if you believe there's a creator, right? He's created creatures that do this. This raises questions. You want to understand what, like, what is the nature of this creator? Like, how is it that we're made like this and animals do this and that's their instinct? And they don't even think about right or wrong. It's their instinct. He wants to... This is puzzling because it makes you, when you start to think about it, you start to see contradictions. But then again, this is the human perspective. The human perspective just has a, a vantage point, you know. So it just gives you pause at the minimum. Uh, what I think is so fascinating about what you just said is that we are sort of removed from nature. And we're, yes, we're, we have created our own. We live in cocoons. We have created our own sense of what nature is. Nature for me We're nature prime, is, dude. is these concrete slabs that have been thrown up and a nice comfortable bed and a nice window. comfortable shower. You got a window. You got a little can, heater. Yeah, yeah. I got my heater here. Yeah. yeah right. Like I didn't, I didn't have you to have make. have a soft bed. Oh, you need a fire? Yeah. Hey, I got a lighter. No problem. Yeah. You know, I mean, everything is at our fingers. Electricity. This is, has removed us from nature. And I think what you're saying is fascinating because only when we have done that and we have all of our needs essentially met. Now we can sit, create a podcast, and start to question reality. Now it becomes something oh, that we... Because if, absolutely. If, if you and I were fighting for Food. just basic necessities, yeah. right? Like We wouldn't be having this conversation because I have to make sure my kids are fed. Correct. Right? And I will go hunt or I will go to battle in order to make sure the family survives. Now, exactly. But the question is, 
I mean, this actually raises a really deep, deep question and problem, which is, like, even look at religious revelation. They're telling you, okay, I'm going to go way back, okay? Human beings want to know where they come from. This is like a this is a very deep question. People, inquisitive. Human we, beings are very inquisitive and, and I'll by tell nature. You, yeah, part of the reason is we, we look at nature and we look at the animal world and we see ourselves as so different from them. Yet at the same time, we're literally the same. No, but we see but also but when we're you so see, different. When you yeah. go to see the gorillas, you you see, oh no, wow, they exist in families. And right. They, there's there's similarities. They play and they, they're protective of their it's 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 a it's a strange thing because it is an amalgamation. It's it's a mixed bag because there's so many aspects that seem so human. But so many aspects that are totally not human, like the mind, you know, your 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 consciousness, the the fact that you 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 have this perception that you're beyond matter, you know, it's like like how confident are you of that? Where does that come from? That you're beyond matter. Yeah, this this feeling, this impression that you have, you know, it's almost like standing in a room full of a thousand mirrors. What's the real image? What's the original? We have a perpetual desire to know, especially when you're out with the gorillas, you're out in nature, you're seeing both the danger and the beauty. At any moment, you know, you could die in nature. Even if you're like grew up in a village and you know how to navigate by the stars and how to hunt and how to find water in the desert, your life is under threat. Nature is both friendly, but also your killer. Right, it's terrifying. It's nature is terrifying. If I so, throw you in the middle of the Atlantic, you're right, going to be terrified. Right? What kind of right? Exactly. So I throw you in the middle of these jungles. We're walking around with trained guides. We're walking around with you know people in the military who are holding guns. If you were left for ten minutes and you got lost, you're done. Oh, you're done. Right. So here's the question then. You can't help but ask this question: Where do we come from? Why do we seem so different? Right. If we evolved from animals, could it be we evolved so fast and so quickly that makes us seem so different and technological and have all of these, you know, elevated, you know, uh, mystical experiences? It's, it's. Biz- I really do wonder sometimes. Like, are we even original from this planet? It really. I really wonder about this because as comfortable as life is on Earth, it's actually not that comfortable without a house, without clothes. You know, I, and, and I love that. That's, I, I just want to point out, that is what this podcast is about, exactly what you just said. You asked a question that I think a lot of people would, the, the, the question was, are we really from this planet? A lot of people would hear that and be like, you know, are you trying to tell us that we're from somewhere else? And We don't know. Why can't we ask the question? We don't know. Why, why can't we ask the question? That's Let, what the QR lab's about. You ask any question... We're going to explore it. If I ask you to provide evidence for or against a thousand years from now, you'll still be spinning your wheels because we've done it for thousands of years. We still don't have an answer. We have religious textual revelations. We have prophets. We have archaeological evidence. We have anthropology. We have science. We have satellites. We have an overabundance of sacred data, scientific data. We're not any closer at the end of the day. <laughs> to, to really, When you're out in the jungle and you're sitting in the lap of gorillas, the <laughs> mystical enchanted experience that you have, that, that 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 natural experience makes you question everything. I would agree. So this means, what does this mean? It means that your understanding about any given question about the nature of reality it is contextual to your comforts, is contextual to 
whatever your little world within a world is. To your environment. Exactly. To your immediate environment. Exactly. So, yeah. so the, the benefit of travel. It takes you out of your comfort zone. It takes you out of your immediate environment. You're transcending worlds, which means what? You're going to find what is common across all the worlds, which means you're going to see the thread of truth that goes across all realities. Oh. And therein lies the benefit of travel. I, I can't believe I found that button. That was the right button. Uh, random ones. You just <laughs> No, I wanted that one. I actually got it right. No, but you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so the, the insight that you get is you might learn more about human nature by travel than getting five PhDs. You have to go and do things. You have to leave your comfort zone, go and experience all these different things. It's kind of like swimming. I say, do you know... Do you know swimming? I, I mean, can read eight books about it, but can, I won't know how to swim. Right, but yeah. throw you in the water. Can Boom. you? Can you? You don't know how to swim until you're in the water. Bada bing. And I mean, even the Bible, they talk about knowing, right? Like knowing somebody. You know that in the Bible it means that you've actually had intercourse with them. That I know this person. <laughs> it's interesting to really know something. So you know Rwanda because you you literally intercourse with Rwanda. You were physically inside of that nation. <laughs> right. No. no. That's that's the intellectual equivalent, right? Mm -hmm. So so to all of our uh, friends and you know colleagues who are you know listening, the audience members, you know, if you have not left this country or where, wherever country you're in, you must find a way to travel if you can afford it. If you can afford it, because the money spent on travel versus on all the other things in life is imminently worth the insights, the humanity, the uh, the connections you're going to make and the things you're going to learn that will be indelible and forever memorable and will impact the way and the decision, the way you live your life and the decisions you're going to make, which can impact political activities in your society. So we'll make it a requirement in our, in our country. Honestly, since I was a kid, I've thought traveling should be a requirement, especially since I traveled to other countries and I saw what was happening. When did you travel to China? It was uh, Japan and China were roughly within within one year apart, 92, 93. Yeah, okay, right. so you were very young. I mean, you were like I was 15, 18. 16, 17, yeah. What? Yeah. In 92? Well, I was in I was in my last year of high school, so I must have been 17, probably. 17. Yeah. So, so and I, I, I love what you said about you need to do this when you're young. When you're young. Because I think by yeah. the time you get too old... You're not going to... It's not going to have the impression. You, you, there's so many uh, obstacles... Because when you get older, you get responsible. Excuses begin to pop up. Oh, I got to take care of my family. I got to go, you know, see you know my mom who's sick. I, oh, I got kids; they have activities. I got to save for college. Okay. So, like, you know, there's some kids who like say, "I'm going to go backpacking through Europe." I mean, that's actually it's great, a good I mean, thing to do. But backpack through the Sahara Desert too. I mean, go go to other places. You know, don't just go to Europe. Europe is very close to America. You know, in terms of it, it is dangerous. Can can we say that? Of course, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. You know, because you're getting got, yeah. you're getting in a metal, you know, a tube that's flying you across. I, it was one of the most spectacular things I saw was actually on the plane. I opened up the window and we were flying, full heat like Sahara Desert. Oh, and did I, you see it? I opened the window and I looked, and I don't know why it felt actually kind of terrifying. It's a sea of sand, and you're out in the middle of nowhere. It was endless. And you just think, like, man, if I 
<laughs> I fell in the middle of that. What, what, well, did you fly Rwanda Air? Is that what you Rwandan Air? No, it was just you know Delta KLM okay. kind of thing through Got Amsterdam. It. Yeah. yeah, so it was a long flight too. I mean, we're t- this is the other thing about flying it. Travel now, right? I mean, in the past, to travel somewhere would months. take months Years. and months, and you yeah. would be very uncomfortable, right? Yeah. I mean, travel now. I mean, think about how sp- this is another spoiled. thing I really wanted You're to bring up. Now. Is just how spoiled we are. I mean, we talk about our comforts, and I mean, you got to get out of your comfort zone. And a lot of times, I was a little bit, you know, unnerved by not having. You can't just drink the water there, right? Like you have to use bottled water. If you don't have bottled water, you can't brush your teeth. I mean, you can, but you're risking getting a. A, you know, gastrointestinal infection. I mean, even their plant, like the, the, the water plants they have there are not properly uh, filtered. I mean, you can take a risk if you want. I mean, so that is a, a lot a of risk. the doctors I were, uh, the American doctors I was with there um, were like, don't even eat salad. Don't eat anything that is Actually, not Actually, this happened to me in China. I'll tell you a story. We went, we decided enough with the five-star restaurants, you know, because I went on an, a youth ambassadorship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went like, Balls to the walls, out in the middle of nowhere, in the city, in the alleyways. We chose the poorest places to visit and eat at. And one of the restaurants we went to literally was an eighth of this, smaller than, like one eighth of this room. Uh-huh. It was literally enough for three people to sit in a round table. That's it, tiny. So the guy brings out noodle soup and and little salad and all that stuff. And uh, we're just like eating. And as I'm eating it, I realize there's dirt in the soup and in my vegetables, actual physical dirt. And I'm like, hey, guys, there's dirt on this. And they're like, oh, yeah. Um, so I call the guy over. And my buddy, who's actually uh, Chinese, you know, original, he speaks, uh, the, I don't know if it was Mandarin or, um, anyway, he spoke the language. Probably Mandarin. Yeah. And the guy, uh, he came back and he said, he said, oh, and they, they had a little exchange. He said, he, he said, eating the dirt is safer than, than the water, than washing it with the water. So he said, just eat it as is. And we did. We just ate it. And I, I next day we had an eighteen hour flight. I said, "Get me some Imodium because <laughs> if I'm on that flight, did you did you have nothing happened? No wow, nothing happened. So we we ate. I just wiped the dirt off and and I ate the soup. And the guy told us, "Don't worry, it's it's better than if I if I wash it." He said, "You're more likely to get sick." So we we ate. Literally, we ate. I mean, it was crazy, right? I, I would say half the population there has entamoeba in their stool. I would say ninety percent of them probably have H. pylori gastritis. How do you know that? Because of like how many tests we look. I when I was there, I saw at least 120 patients. Are you serious? Yes. For over a week? No, in four days. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> no. You mean like for endoscopy? And there and they, no, I'm I, in clinic. Uh, no, sorry, excuse me, 140, and uh, we did procedures on about 70. You saying like? And, then, and keep in mind, okay, this is just like 20 a day. I mean, so th- so we were quote unquote. Dip- it, it felt like a military operation. It was really cool. Very well run. In a way, um, we were sort of deployed across the country, right? So there's about 40 of us. There were uh, biomedical technicians. There are nurses. There are physicians. We had fellows uh, in, in gastroenterology that were participating. Uh, UC Davis and University of Maryland, Dartmouth, Thomas Jefferson. Those, those are the main four institutions. There was actually uh, some people from Mayo Clinic as well yeah. and some other private doctors as well that are familiar with this project. And so they were there helping out. So we, you get put into teams and you get deployed. I was in a group of four, so very small. Some people were in groups of like 10, 15 people. So we went out to a very remote area called Kizaguru. Uh, and in that, they have district hospitals. There's no running water in, in, in this area. I mean, yes, in the 
actual physical plan of the hospital, which I would love to show you just kind of what their yeah. hospital wards look like. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you should do a PowerPoint talk on this and we should uh, or make oh, a video of it and put it on YouTube or something. I'm yeah. uh, you know, definitely going to do that. Um, uh, and actually for the university, for Grand Rounds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so... Um, oh, I got to see that. You got to tell me so, what it is. Yeah, I will, definitely. Uh, so, you know, when we're there, you're trying in real time to figure out how are you going to do this? I mean, we don't have all of the comforts, like a stand for your monitor, um, you know, electrical strips, um, <laughs> water, uh, basins to clean the scopes. I mean, all of that had to be just kind of created on, on the spot. I'm saying, now, luckily, they've done this already. This was the sixth incarnation of this. There was a, a break, I think, during the pandemic, but they've been. this is the sixth time they've done this. It was a real eye-opener to see this because it's outside of my comfort zone of how we... Can you imagine, right? Like, you don't have all of the things that you would normally have, and you're doing... It, there's a part of me that just... Because I've never practiced anywhere except in the United States, and, you know, and we just... In, in environments that are so controlled and regulated and, you know, we have JCO and yeah. uh, uh, Joint Commissions, right, which right. Over, oversees the hospitals. Safety um, practices. And safety practices, right. OSHA, right? Right. Compliance. You have, right. Yeah. You have all of these occupational safety Yeah. They, they don't uh, want issues. patients to get hurt. They don't want doctors and, There's and, none of and this. healthcare workers to get hurt. It's all like safety and protections right. and training. There's right? none of this. Certifications, licensing. <laughs> the hospital well, can't function without them, right? I mean, they, they definitely, so even to go there and practice, I had to apply for a temporary medical license and so forth. So, I mean, they, you know. No, they have that, but you're saying about the facility. Like right? the, the facility that's in a remote part of the world doesn't have the same accoutrements, right? It was stunning, okay? I mean, there was, there was a lot of things that, for example, when we're doing endoscopy or, you know, we have a bleed, you know, there was a situation where it's, well, how are we going to stop this? They don't have all the... I mean, I mean, you don't have, like, the bands and all that stuff? Like, the, like to, to, to... So, fortunately, we, we, we had stuff, okay. you know, but, but I'm just... When you're in the moment there, it's not like I have access to all of the things. I, I don't even really have access to an Irby machine, like, to do cautery, you know? I mean... This is wild. It's the Wild West. I'm just saying, where I, yes, yeah. we're definitely where I was. Now, now in the the capital where many people were or in some other areas that were a little bit better developed. They had that. But where I was, it felt very remote. And I and I'm and I'm actually very grateful. At the time I I felt a little I felt a little disappointed that I had to go out somewhere so remote because I wanted to be in the main area. But I'm glad I got this experience. I feel like I got the real you got the real experience. The real experience yeah. of, of just having to go out and... Now, what did you do on your time where you were not working, where that you had time off to relax? Well, like when, and, so when yeah. we're working, it's so busy. I mean, yeah. we're, we're there from... I mean, look, 40, 50 patients show up a day. That's... Right? Like wild. I told you, like in four days, yeah. I saw 170 people, wow. right? Um, I saw all of... I, was, so we switched off a little bit because I, I was telling the... I was there with my... Uh, well, one of the, the fellows from UC Davis... Um, I told him, I said, look, I, I can't just be in clinic the whole time. I'm, I'm not yeah. going to make it. I yeah. have to be doing some scopes too. Yeah. And so he, you know, he, he said, yeah, yeah, let's switch back. So he could be in clinic and I could be doing some scopes. That's good. That's um, good. so in the morning till the but evening, they spoke, they spoke, we're exhausted. They like, spoke English, the patients? No, Translator? No, no, we, we had physicians with us. Translating. That, that okay. were translating. Okay. But you know that that's another really interesting thing. You know, we don't speak the language, we don't right. know the culture, we don't understand. Yeah. Um, and, but we're trying to, you know, yeah. and we want and we want to provide help. But yeah. we're not there to just 
I think you know there was a really great article in the, in the American College of Physicians that discuss these medical missions and what we're doing. Like, you know, we go there and we provide services and we oh, we feel so great about ourselves that we went and, you know, provided. So, but really, what did you do for those people? I mean, is it, I was giving a talk on H. pylori. Okay. Oh, there. Yeah. yeah. Well, to, to the, to the medical students and the residents, I was giving this lecture and I began to realize that I was giving this lecture. I'm like, this is, this is not an appropriate lecture for It's not for, relevant maybe. No, because, because look, in the United States, or at least, you know, the general practice here is there are a lot of antibiotic resistance. Well, they don't have the same resistance patterns there. So I'm, I'm talking to them and telling, giving them these... This, yeah. it's out I of context. Sort of, I sort yeah. of had to realize that, you know, a lot of times I was asked, well, should we just treat H. pylori empirically? And I was thinking, you know, I think I answered the question like, no, you need to test and then you need to retest to make sure, like, because you, you'll be creating resistance if you don't know for sure that this patient has H. pylori. At the same time, they had like 90%... Now, for the audience, let me just uh, take a pause. H. pylori is a bacterial infection in the stomach that actually causes ulcers. So for those who don't know that, and you have to treat it. So Thank you. Yeah, just rambling on here. But um, it was interesting to, to have to take a step back and realize they're teaching me. I'm uh, learning. About their... I'm learning right, right. about how this... And I'm also learning about how medicine can and could be practiced in other yeah. places. Well, it's context dependent. Now, getting back to an earlier question, which because I'm trying to get a flavor for all the things. I mean, this could go on for days. I mean, you had you could say so much about all this, but I'm curious to know because you're out remotely and you're working with different people. When you had time off, like in the evenings, or I don't know if there was weekends you didn't work. What did you do to relax? No, no, no. Or, yeah. You know, so to, to your point, like we we would go. We went to some restaurants. You can go see, you know, various sites in in, in Kigali. Went and did the uh, gorilla track. We did yeah. uh, the safari. Uh, went to Akagera's uh, national restaurants park. are okay to eat at and drink. Yeah, for the yeah. most part, um, you don't basically bottled water. You don't. Okay. Really, uh, Alcohol is great. I mean, you can yeah. drink beer. That's not yeah, going to yeah, poison yeah. you. So, um, right. But I, I never had any issues with. I had a little bit of. I came back having a little bit of issues, but nothing like travels like, diarrhea or anything. I didn't no, have any of that's that. Good. No, that's but, good. But um, uh, certainly, I'm, I'm sure my microbiome was affected, and it's it's different. Yeah. The diet there is completely different. It's a very heavily starch based diet. Yeah, they have much less meat in there, which is probably a good mm. thing. But a lot of starch, and so I think. But they're not obese because they probably no. have good good starches, and they're more active. And they're very active. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Now, um, are you considering? Uh, either going back there or going on other missions because of your experience? No, absolutely. I want to go back. Um, I, I think that it would be it would behoove me to go back, and I think that that is something that I... Some people might go and, and feel like they got it all. I feel like I would like to try again and and see if I can do it better or, or see or, and, and also see if I can be more of a... Like I felt very much like I was learning. I, I'd like to contribute more. I, yeah. I think this is one of these things about being a yeah. doctor is we do want to contribute. We do want right. to yeah. help. Like when we do that and we see it and and it 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 feels good. I think that's why many of us are in medicine is because you know like the you know the, the cliche <laughs> thing. Well, we want to help people. Well, there's a lot of ways you can help people, but that one on one that you know you can help somebody by creating a policy that affects millions of people, right? Yeah. Or you can help somebody just. You well, know. it's a personal. It's a personal thing, yeah. right? So, yeah. so what's what's 
is one better than the other? I mean, the person who sits behind a desk no, and, and, no. and signs yeah. a, a law into legislation that that benefits you need. Both. I think you obviously you need, need both. both, but but you know, for individually, you decide. For me, that one-on-one contact, that that bringing something to somebody that they don't have there, like that, that was meaningful yeah. to me, and I hope it would be meaningful to them. But I I think. The issue about these medical missions is that you can't just show up, drop some things, and then leave. There, there needs to, to engage, be yeah. a follow-up. There yeah. needs to be a program, and that's what I really appreciated yeah, yeah. about this experience. So. Well, yeah, I, I'd love to do something like that too. I mean, you know, I, uh, for for many reasons, uh, you know, but so I think I think to. Go ahead. Yeah. Wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, yeah go because ahead. I mean, uh, you're right. We could talk for hours. And but, but yeah, you should. I would say that your experience. Uh, Clearly, from talking to you, you have a lot more to say about this. And I think we could sit and chat about it for a long. But I, I yeah. think the, the basic idea behind today was to discuss the importance how, of travel. Yeah, like how magnificent yeah. it is to get out and question your reality. Well, right I, back to I, the relevance I, of this podcast. Well, right? I, I, like, I, I, go I, I, and travel if you really want to do this work. It's See, a catalyst. The traveling is, is a catalyst is. for reassessing your reality, and we should end it there. I agree. Ladies and gentlemen, you've that just really loud. You've just experienced another QR Lab podcast extravaganza. <laughs> Go! Go see the world. Experience it. Be it. Check Love it, it or chuck it. And join us again next time. Tell your friends. Listen to our podcast. The QR Lab. Bada bing, bada boom. We want to emphasize that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and they do not reflect the official policies or positions of our employers and places of employment or any of their affiliates. Additionally, our discussions on this podcast should not be considered professional advice or endorsements of any particular organizations, products, or individuals. We're here to share our thoughts and stimulate conversation, but we encourage you to do your own research and form your own opinions.